Hi, Shannon Waller here with Dan Sullivan. And inside Strategic Coach today, we're going to talk about the value of having a process as opposed to just a one-off event. And this applies several ways. Strategic Coach program is a process, but it's also something that we coach our clients in, that they, in fact, need to provide a process for their clients. So, Dan, I'm looking forward to our conversation about the difference between standardized transactional experiences versus the value of being in a longer-term process, both in terms of providing and being on the receiving end. So let's jump in and let's talk about one of the traps that entrepreneurs get stuck in with just kind of one-off experiences or doing things just once and then moving on to something else. Yeah, or the other thing is that they're selling a product and they see each sale as just a transaction and there's nothing more involved than just the transaction. I don't know where this started, but I do remember being very, very aware very early in life that things that lasted a long time and seemed to have a repeatable process to them. And I'll give you a few examples. I grew up on a farm And farm life is a whole series of processes, and it's dependent upon the seasons, it's dependent upon the crops, it's dependent upon the markets. But there is this sense every year of starting a new process over. There's all sorts of activities that are involved in this annual process. I also paid attention to the educational system and how it was every September you got a fresh start and the year that you spent, each of the years, one through 12, each of them was sort of like a repeatable process. So I had a lot of organizational experience. My Colby is a 10 quick start, but I'm very process-oriented. I like being part of something that repeats itself, but in the repetition, you get better. In the repetition new things are created out of the repetition of the process. I grew up Catholic, so Catholicism has an enormous number of processes. I was in the Army. The Army is processes. But the one I think that really struck me is that in the 1980s, early 1980s, as my strategic coach career really started taking off, I was staying at Four Seasons Hotels, and Four Seasons is a worldwide brand now, but it started in Toronto. And what I noticed about the Four Seasons when I stayed there, this is my experience in the 1980s, that it seemed like everything had been thought about. There was a very high consciousness about what your experiences were as a customer or a client, okay? And I got to know a lot of Four Seasons personnel, especially the concierges. During off hours of that, I'd invite them for coffee or tea, and we'd chat. And I said, everything seems to operate according to, there's a real rhythm to how you do it, but it's like nothing gets forgotten. And I've stayed, in lifetime, I've stayed in 23 Four Seasons Hotel, and it's a uniform experience. It doesn't matter where I am. I've been in Paris. I've been in London, many places in North America. And I always had the feeling that the experience was exactly the same, even though the people were different, the guests were different, the locations were different. And then one day I was talking to a concierge who's been there for 30 years, and she said, well, you know, she said, we don't own any of the hotels. Four Seasons doesn't own any of the actual buildings. We don't own the property. 
what we offer is a process that investors will bid to see if we'll come in and if they establish a hotel, they ask us if we'll come in and we'll bring the Four Seasons process. And she actually used the word Four Seasons process. She says, this is all written down and it's secret. It covers everything that can happen to a customer when they come to a Four Seasons hotel from the moment that they phone in or the moment that the reservation is made until even afterwards because we stay in touch with them. And it's all been tested out literally millions of times in terms of customers. Everybody who enters the Four Seasons learns the processes and your promotion inside of Four Seasons is learning all of the processes. I said, well, how many steps are there to the process? And she says, well, there's over 200. And I says, do you think I could see them? And she says, no, you can't see them. This is secret. (laughs) Okay. And it really struck me how uniform the quality has been over 30 or 40 years because I started staying there very early in my entrepreneurial career. I was so struck by this whole thing of process. And I said, you know, As we're building a strategic coach, we have to build everything on process. How we put workshops together, that's a process. And how every quarter new materials are created, that's a process. There's all sorts of backstage activities that have to be in place for the front stage experience, how the food is ordered, how the binders are put together. These are all processes inside strategic coach. And then one step further, because we were basing our own company on processes, I said, you know, I think one of the most valuable things that we can do for our entrepreneurial clients is to get them to recognize that this is a much better way of building their entrepreneurial future, not on products, not on services, not on transactions, but to base it on processes that quarter by quarter, year by year, just keep getting better And as a result, they keep producing a bigger result. That sounds really exciting and kind of radical to me, because if I can think of so many industries, it's based on these one-off transactions. It's not based on longer-term, repeatable processes that really entail that you have a relationship with your Mm -hmm. clientele, not just a one-off experience. So our clients who put in place processes for their business really transformed how they did business, especially from how they were taught to do business. And it was an interesting shift in thinking for them to do that. Yeah, one of the greatest impacts we had with the whole concept of process was the financial services industry, which I've had long experience going back to the 1970s with, first of all, life insurance and then the investment component of financial services and then every other aspect of financial services. What I remember very early in the 1970s when I was coaching life insurance agents, and I was fortunate right from the beginning, Shannon, of having what were called top-of-the-table agents, and these were recognized by their success and by their production as being the top life insurance agents in an organization called Million Dollar Roundtable, which generally is recognition that you're a very successful life insurance agent. I remember they kept talking about product, and they had products. And 
what really struck me about the products is that they weren't a product like shoes. They weren't a product you could hold in your hands, but they were a conceptual product that you're going to invest in a policy that should such and such happen in the future or this happens in the future, money is going to be released. The death benefit in life insurance or the cash value in life insurance is going to be released to you. It really struck me that they were calling it a product, but it seemed to me that it was actually a process. Okay, And the best life agents and later the best financial advisors approached their experience just like the Four Seasons did. You can go to many other experiences. Walt Disney is just innumerable processes when you go to Disney World. They've worked out enormous numbers of processes so that people are taken care of regardless of what happens. Anything can happen. And I just noticed that there was something that happened to you as an entrepreneur if you thought you were selling products that was very, very different than if you were selling a process. There are just a couple distinctions which are noteworthy. If you're selling a product, then you're involved in transaction. But if you're selling a process, you're involved in transformation. I just noticed that all the entrepreneurs who are getting into trouble were the ones who are approaching their future as a series of one-off transactions. And all the entrepreneurs that seemed to be really thriving had created a process that actually made their clients and customers into creative partners in producing a certain result. And that every time they did this with one customer or client, they learned new things which they could apply to the next customer or client. And it seemed to me to be a profound learning process that the really best financial advisors, where the others were just always doing the same thing, they were playing hit or miss. And the other thing I noticed that the clients and customers of the process-based advisors were much better people than the clients or customers of the transaction-based one. There was almost an adversarial relationship that seemed to govern the relationships where it was a product where it was much more of a partnership situation. And of course, not everybody's geared to partnership. So a lot of the agents just didn't really, really care what the relationship was like as long as the check was big enough. So I just began looking at this in all the other entrepreneurial fields, and I found the same thing. And what I mean a process is that you begin to understand that certain things have to be solved for a client or a customer whether it's the Four Seasons Hotel or whether it's a life insurance agent. But there's dangers that have to be eliminated. There's opportunities that have to be captured. And there are strengths that have to be maximized for it to be a great experience. And that essentially, the big thing that I zeroed in on, and this is 25 years ago, that people don't actually buy things. They actually buy experiences. If it's a transaction experience, they don't want to pay very much for it. But if it's a transformation experience, they'll pay a great deal for it. And therefore, it's much easier to commoditize a transaction experience because there's no transformation in it. So if you can get something that you've been paying $10 for for $2, 
you'll go for the $2 because nothing's been lost as far as transformation. The $10 experience wasn't transformational, and the $2 experience isn't transformational, but you're paying $8 less, and that's the experience. That's the experience. And Walmart has created a worldwide empire, and it's being surpassed now by Amazon. And actually, the Amazon experience is probably better than 98% of all transaction experience in actual stores. You know, if you have Amazon Prime in some cities, you click on, pay for it, and two hours later, they deliver it to your... That's a nice experience. But again, Amazon is a complete process. It's not a transaction experience. It's a transformational experience. And I'll tell you the difference. I used to go to Borders when they were the big giant bookstore in the States. And there's one thing that I remember from my hundreds of Borders experience. No one knew who I was and no one ever called me by my name. But every day, about five times a day, Amazon calls me Dan. (laughs) Amazon says, Dan, we noticed that you've been reading this book and this book. And we just think that you might enjoy these books and these books also, you know. And all day long, I've got sort of this artificial intelligence protector who's looking over me, looking out for me. Well, that's a process. That's a huge process. Amazon's not in the transaction business. Amazon's actually in the transformational business. They're actually completely transforming people's understanding what it's like to buy things that they really want and to get them with the least amount of hassle and to get them remarkably quickly. So it's a transformational experience, and that's why they're taking over every retail industry in the world is because what Jeff Bezos has actually created is a profound electronics-based process. It's not a transaction. I could not agree more because I was on there ordering something last week, and they said it would be there in three days, and it was there in one, which was really impressive. Always says, welcome back, Shannon, which I really love. And just going back to that whole clientele creative partnership is that they learn from all of their experiences with their clients, with their customers. And the great thing about Amazon is their ratings. So you get to say, yes, I love this product, or no, I didn't. So it's a very interactive experience that keeps getting Mm-hmm. more intelligent and more useful the more p- the people use it. Totally yeah. agree. And Google does the same thing. Apple does the same thing. Very interesting because it really points out the difference. Uh, Tesla is very, very different because the Tesla car that you're driving gets smarter every night while you're sleeping or while you're not driving it. The software is being upgraded. Recently, there was a thing about a fatality. It's the first fatality that Tesla's had after 130 million miles of people using the autopilot function feature on the Tesla. Everybody was up in arms, you know, this is dangerous. But they actually upgraded things overnight with that fatality and said, keep your hands on the wheel. Just reminded you, remember, it's autopilot, but don't climb into the back seat and be tweeting in the back seat. Stay in the front seat, stay in the driver's seat, and keep your hands. So that was upgraded. They didn't have to pull a recall in or anything else. All they had to do was send a message. So that onboard computer that they have and that big, gorgeous screen that they have is part of a process. They're creating a lifetime, unique process for you with 
an automobile, which for most other people is just a transaction at a dealership. So this is a very, very different thing that they're doing. And Tesla owners are just raving fans. Ecstatic. They're ecstatic. Yeah, and that shows that it's transformational. Nobody raves over transactions. People only rave about that they're somehow being transformed. I love it. So there's another aspect, too, that strikes me with a process, and that is maybe not with Amazon necessarily, although it feels very personal, is the group of people with whom you're doing it. So if I think about the teamwork at Coach, or if I think about when I'm part of Mm -hmm. someone else's process, I get to know somebody better. I get to develop that relationship. We know each other's likes and dislikes and preferences, and we can work better together as a result of that. So one of the other aspects of process is expanding teamwork. So Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit more about that, Dan, because you've got some great insight into this. Well, I think there's two aspects to processes, and that is they can be expanded through teamwork, but they can also be massively supported through technology. One aspect of living in the 21st century is that every day new things happen that are surprising, shocking, disruptive. And what it brings up is that nobody can live that kind of life. You can't live a continually unpredictable, shocking type of life. Your nervous system is just not geared to it. Nobody's nervous system is geared to it, and they find that there's enormous bad things that happen if people are dealing with a never-ending series of one-off, never-saw-it-before-it-won't-repeat-itself-so-it's-not-predictable things, okay? And whether it's terrorism or it's natural disasters or the stock market going strange or anything along this line. And What we seek out is processes that we can go through again and again and again and again. And every time you go through the process, it feels incredibly familiar. But at the same time, it feels very comforting. It feels very, very supportive. And you learn new things. You find new meaning every time you go through this process. So in Strategic Coach... At the lead edge of the program, which is the 10 times ambition program, between quarters when I'm designing a new workshop, there are some oldies but goodies that I have to bring back in, like the moving future, like the ABC model, and identifying the five breakthrough projects for the quarter, doing the impact filter. There's a great deal of comfort, and then breaking out in the small discussion groups. So... Over the years, I've watched where the line is between the desire on the part of the clients for, yes, I want something new. I want something that engages me in a new way, so I have to create new things. But at the same time, they want a repetition that's comforting and reassuring to them that's been established throughout their strategic coach career. You know, So there's part of human beings that we like variety, we like new things, but at the same time, we like to experience that variety and new things within a process that's predictable mm-hmm. and, and totally supportive. Mm-hmm. To me, this feels like great advice. So one, to put yourself into that environment or process that works for you. And the other one is to provide that mm-hmm. for your clientele if you want to have that transformational impact and if you want mm-hmm. ongoing relationships, which I think... One would, because it's a lot less work. Oh, yeah. You know, transactions, one-offs are exhausting. Mm -hmm. And it is, as you talked about earlier, way too easy to be commoditized. 
if you're always competing on the basis of price, it's just a race to the bottom. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really key. In terms of process, I just want to tie back to entrepreneurs here because I do think, myself included, of entrepreneurs as people who are very easily seduced by the bright, shiny object. We kind of nickname it bright, shiny object syndrome. So is it easy or difficult for entrepreneurs to put themselves into a process? It's such a big question because there's various responses when you recommend people to do processes. And what I try to get a handle on is, first of all, if I'm going to design a process, I'm going to, first of all, tap into the experience and knowledge of the entrepreneur themselves. And that is, if you could conduct a complete cycle where you meet someone and you develop a relationship with them and you cultivate them and you learn what's going on and you create value for them and you're paid for this, but it's not the end of it because there's an ongoing life to the relationship. There's going to be a favorite way that you like going about doing this, which if you could repeat it over and over again, you would feel really, really good. Okay. And it's going to be unique to you. It's not going to be something that you can pick up from the outside. So you've got to know the processes that you like. And a lot of entrepreneurs say, I don't like repeating things. And I said, are there some things in your life, let's just say your personal life, that you repeat? For example, is there a place that you go back to on vacation over and over again? And they said, yes. And I said, and... When you're having free time, is there certain activities that you always like doing? And yes, and is there certain people you like being with? And what you begin to realize, this entrepreneur who thinks that they're just into variety and doing new things all the time, have a lot of very fundamental processes in their life that they've just not identified as processes. I'll give you an example with Babs and myself, you know, we take a ton of free time. We take the equivalent of 22 weeks. But very seldom at this stage are we doing something new. And we have some favorite places. So the longest favorite place we have is a small town in Cape Cod, which is called Wellfleet. So we first went there uh, together in 1984. And we've gone every year since 1984. We do it at exactly the same time every year. It's the two weeks before Labor Day. For the last 15 years, we've stayed in the same cottage. Our routine when we get there is exactly the same. We go to the ocean beach. There's a harbor beach right in front of our cottage, and then they have these wonderful freshwater ponds that we go to. We have a series of restaurants we go to, and I love going back there every year. And then the other things is we love the city of London, central city of London. We love New York City. I love Santa Monica. We have a whole series of Arizona experiences every year, which are predictable. And then in the city of Toronto, I have favorite places. And then we have our cottage up north, which you were very instrumental in letting us find. And I think of the year as this process of visiting our favorite places and enjoying ourselves but at the same time, I'm involved in the constant creation of new books, new audios, new videos. And I couldn't do all that new stuff if I didn't have these predictable processes. Plus, the number one process is just my relationship with Babs. That's the number one process. 
It's a process that gives both of us constant new sense of meaning and energy. Mm-hmm. So this is fascinating because I think the point about you could not come up with all the new creative innovations that you do without the balance of those things that are familiar and known and not comfortable, but... You oh, know, they like, are comfortable. Yeah. yeah. It's very comfortable. And nourishing. Very it's reassuring. Very reassuring. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But it's the balance between the two mm-hmm. that really spurs that on. And I think a lot of it is about environment and with whom you're with and the kind of conversations you're having and what the things it allows you to do. And I love the fact that a great process is one that spins off new things. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's sort of afraid of a boring, repetitive process, mm-hmm. but one that actually fosters mm-hmm. creativity mm-hmm. is one, to my mind, that would be very attractive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been a longtime jazz fan. There's a thing called riffs. And riffs are things where you were playing the same tune And all of a sudden, you notice that you could do this with your piano or with your horn or your guitar. It's a little side trip. There's the main road of the melody line, but you go off on a little side trip, and you're kind of playing with something, and then you come back to the main road again. Jazz is a lot about having main roads and a lot of side trips, okay? And there's one favorite pianist. His name is Ahmad Jamal probably 80, early 80s, been playing since he was like 17 or 18 years old, been famous since he was 20 years old. And he's got one song that's called Point Sienna. I mean, it's just one of the very famous jazz tunes of all time. And he's been playing it now. I got the first album with Ahmad Jamal in 1958. And every year he's done like a new version of Poinciana, and he's got different musicians. But if you listen to it over about 50 or 60 years of him doing this one song, and it's very famous, you cannot go to a Ahmad Jamal concert without the audience absolutely demanding that he play. And the reason is they want to see what he's done with the same process but new over the last year. And it's one of the most beautiful examples of the security of the process, but the possibility for innovation. Well, that is such a great balance. Is there any last words of coaching that you would give to an entrepreneur who's thinking about either creating a process or joining one in terms of what to think about, what to weigh in their mind? There's two considerations. There's what you're doing that you always enjoy and what you're doing for your clientele or customers that they always enjoy. So the unique process, I call it a unique process because I think every entrepreneur has to create this for himself or herself, is that you are combining two optimum situations. You're combining an optimum situation of how you like to work, and there's a series of steps that you can then repeat over and over again so that you keep getting smarter, okay? And you keep discovering new things about what you can do with clients or customers. And then you have to be very, very alert and very attentive to what any client or customer would just absolutely love going through for the first time, okay? And you get smarter and smarter about that. And you got to combine these two considerations into the process. But if you can lock into place something that you always love doing and an experience that the clients and customers always 
love going through. Then you've got something that's actually permanent, which repeats itself, but every time you go through it, new things are learned about yourself and also about the clients and customers. You will become famous for this process. The word of mouth about the truly great way that people are handled will become very widespread. You'll be known for this wonderful experience. Great restaurants do this. Great resorts do this. Great entertainment venues do this. Great performing groups. Great baseball teams. Great anything. If you dig down, they have extraordinary individual performances, but the whole thing is supported by an enormous sense of process that keeps getting repeated and repeated and repeated, and they just keep getting better and better and better. And it's a marvelous thing to see. Thank you, Dan. You've got me excited about all the processes I've been a part of and also to kind of deepen my own thinking about my own process. And to me, the direction for entrepreneurs is don't get seduced by the one-offs, but really to, as you said, pay attention to those two considerations. What do you always love doing? And what's the kind of experience that people always love going through? If you can do those two things, that sounds like a match made in heaven. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon.